Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Raphael. Well, thank you for tuning in once again, if, if you can call it tuning in, to uh, the podcast here, uh, uh, our special Spirit Watch Ministries podcast, Where Are We Going? Uh, we had to uh, take a brief sabbatical to get uh, some, some personal things took care of, as well as retrench for uh, some next level stuff in ministry that we want to do. And we are currently still working on that as well. And of course, uh, sometimes when you're when you're bivocational and working, and and you have a busy life with family, sometimes you have to do that sort of thing. So, uh, but we are back, and uh, we're hoping to keep the uh, podcast, of course, keep rolling. And this will be the first one that we're going to have after we've uh, after our short little little um, time off here, so for lack of a better word. And uh, we do have another one of the many many survivors of the Xenos group slash dwell uh, here on today. And, and we have Justin here today. Justin, it's a great honor to have you here. I'm glad that we finally, after all our own busy schedules, finally had a chance to, to talk and hook up. And uh, th- I really appreciate your coming to the virtual studio today. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, good to finally be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand you were you were one of the interviewees for the for the Daily Beast article that's that's uh, really kind of shaking things up in in the Xenos world. Yeah, yeah, my very tiny little blurb that she put in there, um, you know, an interesting topic. <laughs> yeah, I was one of them. Right, but you've also been, like I said, uh, quite. You, know, you were involved in in a pretty uh, pretty more far reaching um, critical. Um, article that took place a few years ago. You care to elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, uh, I had heard through the grapevine that the church was changing their name uh, from Xenos to Dwell, and I just put that all on Reddit. And I got contacted by someone claiming to be a reporter from WOSU, and uh, I I was skeptical because uh, yeah, the you know. The church has been known to lay traps to you know, catch people to the floor. So I was part of the uh, Facebook group at the time. I think, I think we had about 76 or 78 members at the time. And I said, hey, this reporter is contacting me, wanting to do a story, and I'm skeptical. Anybody want to look into this? And a couple of people did, and turned out it was legit. So she ran this article and uh, on online and did a story on the radio about the name change and that really stirred up a lot of stuff and we saw our membership in the Facebook group jump to like in less than two weeks like 250 members yeah. <laughs> and, That's and, 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 yeah and and every single time somebody would come in and introduce themselves and they'd be like I thought I was the only one mm, yeah I mean, yeah same story over and over and over again Wow. Incredible. 
people, so it's, it never fails to really move me about how many people leave places like Xenos and leave there broken, leave there shattered, leave there with some, with some sort of, uh, terrible self-incrimination in which they feel like, you know, they've failed God or, or they've done something wrong and that, and that, you know, that, and, and that indeed, like you said, they feel like they were the only ones in the world to actually be that evil to actually have to leave such a godly place. When, when, when truth be told, the system was what drove people out. People just couldn't countenance it anymore. Uh, and that's, it's really, it's, it's, and it's really quite, um, predictable to see how the church, you know, takes that line with those who leave, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Everything that the church does is predictable. Yeah. It all goes by a formula and they don't change that formula. And yeah. the problem is, is up until recently, they've been successful in keeping all of us apart and keeping everybody thinking they were the only one. Mm. That's great. That's good to hear. And, and you're not. So, and I, and, and I can testify from the, uh, from how many people have been tuning into our podcasts and you're looking at our, our, our website articles. And, uh, and we haven't even begun. I mean, we have so much we are doing with, with, with another group, the, the Gladstone group in Cincinnati. That's, that's where we are really focusing on, uh, because we've had a commitment to help them since, since about the same time we started working with Xenos and did, then the Xenos phenomena took off over the, over the spring and we've really been handling a lot of that. But, uh, ever since then, we've, we've recognized that, um, that is something that, that seems to be a very clear, uh, characteristic of people that, uh, that leave groups like that, that they, um, are made to feel that, that, like, in truth, they're the only ones, that, that there was something wrong with them, that there was, uh, um, it, it was that, it, you know, that there really was, uh, a, a, a great shame, a great guilt in the place upon them that, that kept them silent and, and not even looking for help. Uh, would you would you uh, uh, would you agree that most people that leave places like Xenos, well, in, in your experience, that's something that really drives people to to that personal silence that they feel shamed, that they feel that they had failed God in some way, and that they had that they just really weren't worthy of attention. I mean, that seems to be something I pick up on a lot when I talk to people. Um, I, I don't know. I think my my experience is a little bit different. Yeah, um, I I grew up in the church. I grew up a uh, Baptist, and joined Xenos after moving to Columbus for the second time. Uh, but I had already seen several of my friends get excommunicated, and you know the the lies that I'd been told about them. So when it became my turn, I already saw the patterns. Mm-hmm. And so when you know I got kicked out, I I just left. The the problem is I still. I hadn't investigated cults very much, so I I still genuinely thought that this was a church, mm-hmm. and I thought that my my discipline was unfair, but I wasn't going to put any more energy into it. it, it yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I was hurt, and I was just I needed to distance myself. And it wasn't until I don't know, like eight years later, I I think I was watching the um, Scientology in the aftermath when it was on AMC, mm-hmm. and I was getting really into that series, and I just kept seeing. Uh, you know, Leah Remini and Mike Rinder talking about, you know, all of their experiences in, in Scientology and the, and the formulas that are run and the, 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 the 
group think and the, the control that the church has over its members. And I started seeing the same patterns in Xenos. And one day I just woke up and went, holy shit, I was in a cult. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and then, you know, I think, and different people take that differently, don't they? Some people can, can handle that and some people, re- I just really blows them away. It just, it just really shakes them. Yeah. Well, I mean, up until then, I, mean, I had people, you know, the whole five years I was in, you know, saying that I was in a cult, but it was, it was a thing that, that we got all the time. It was just, you know, all, you know, they're just naysayers and they're being controlled by Satan and, and you know, all the other rhetoric that they like to spew. But, uh, I, I would go on, I would see on message boards and stuff on the, the internet where people would be talking about Xenos and people say, oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cult. And I didn't believe it because I wasn't seeing it because you don't see it when you're in it. Right. And, and for years afterward, people would mention the cult that I was in, and I would say, it wasn't a cult. It wasn't, it wasn't just a church. It was just a, a more liberal, non-traditional church. But no, it was after seeing all the patterns on that television show that I'm like, I, I was in a cult. Everybody else was right. I was in a cult. Yeah. And that's, that's a big moment in, in, in a person's life, isn't it? To realize that what they've been in was not what they thought it was. And that they poured, they poured, they poured their heart and soul and energy into, into an organization that they thought was like, you know, the, the last day's great move of God. You know, this was, this was the summit of Christian experience and history. And it turns out to be just a, just another shag nasty cult of personality. You know, that's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, and, it, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually had, you know, somebody that I thought was a friend inside tell me almost those exact same words. Mm, really? <laughs> that, that he thought that, yeah, that he believed it with all certainty that this was going to be one of the last great churches, you know, one of, you know, and it was going to lead the way in the end, in the end times and the last days. And, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was told that. <laughs> yeah. And that, right. And, and I can say all that because that's what I've heard, I've seen for years in movements like Xenos. I mean, Xenos is hardly alone. And as much as they want to believe how unique they are, they're not alone. They, they, they are all kinds of groups making the same kind of claims, using the same rhetoric, the same love bombing, the same process of recruitment and, 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 and enslavement and indoctrination. It's all there. It's, it's never, it never changes. It's always, uh, as you said, there's patterns. That's the reason why, you know, if you sit and watch something long enough, you, like you said, you'll, you'll figure out, you know, which way it's going to go, you know. It's like any, yeah. any it's like uh, watching a, a Spanish telenovela or something streaming on Netflix. There's always going to be the heroes and the heroines and the plot twists and the and then the, the where the rules are all broken and everything goes 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 to pot and then there's a new normal. Well, cults are cults are are cut from the same cloth. They they they're they're not original whatsoever. They use the same thing. Only the sad thing is, is that their audiences are new. And, and, and that's where, I guess, like I said, their audiences, they're unaware. They, they, and they believe, they believe readily that if they've been told that these people would never lie to them, that they would always tell the truth, that they would care for them, they believe them. I have a deep, uh, and a very, very sacred, idealistic trust they give. And sadly, that's what seems to be going on. Well, the thing is, I look back on it now and how ridiculous that seemed, but at the time, you know, even with my background, I grew up Baptist. You know, Baptists are obsessed with revelation in the end times. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, that was my entire upbringing. 
So this mm-hmm. did not stand out to me at all at the time. Yeah. It just seemed like it, like it just fit. It fit your, it fit your mold. It fit that yeah. channel in you. It, 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 it was a place where you, where you didn't have to suspend, um, where you, you didn't have to suspend, uh, your disbelief. I mean, you could just go straight through and, and, and it just felt right. It felt normal. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back up. Let's do a rewind then. You know, how did you, okay, you mentioned your background. And how you got involved. So tell us how, how, can you give us like a timeline? What, what were you doing about the time you got involved and what was going on and how did you get involved with Xenos? Um, well, I, um, I'm from Southern Ohio. Uh, I have moved back and forth between Columbus several times, uh, and growing up. Um, when I graduated, I had friends up here from middle school and when I moved back, back home to Lawrence County, I graduated down there and then had to move back to Columbus uh, with my parents. So, uh, I was up here for about a year. My, my, you know, my friends up here had already gone into other friend circles and I just wasn't fitting in well. And my mom had met somebody at her job who was a member of Xenos who said, Oh, well, he, you know, have your son come hang out with us. You know, invited me out to home church, and after a few weeks, I finally agreed and went, and then that, that's how I got in. That's yeah. where I was from then on. Right, right. So it felt like it fit. Well, I mean, I had people paying attention to me, and people seemed interested in me, and, you know, as you hear over and over and over again, the love bombing, which was... At the time, a term that they actually used in Xenos before, you know, became synonymous with, you know, occult tactic. They actually used the term love bombing. Yes, I never heard the term love bombing until, you know, I was in Xenos for about a year. And then they were talking about when new people come in, you need to love bomb them. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we were being taught that this is how you treat new people. Like, if you're not paying attention to them, you're not doing your job because you need to make them feel the most welcome so that they stay and they actually used the term love bombing. And I never heard it until then. And, you know, since I've done a lot of cult research since, you know, in the last few years, I see that was actually a, a term that was calling to four cults. Yeah. Right. What, what year was this when you were love bombed into, into their uh, uh, fellowship? Around 2004, uh, late 2004, late 2005. Okay. All right. So it's interesting that they would continue to use what is such a loaded language, a a a, a, a uh, incredibly weighty term to describe what they do. Even in 2005, even with its history, they would still use that term. That's just just astonishing. Well, yeah, I mean, well, it was used as a joke almost. I mean, Any time somebody mentioned, you know, it was a cult. It was. You know, you were to look at that as, you know, we're being attacked. And I've even heard Dennis McCallum himself say in a CT, you know, if you're being attacked by, if you're under demonic attack, that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because, you know, most of their demonic attacks are manufactured. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got involved, though, and you started involving, uh, started attending a house church then? Or, and when did you ever move into a ministry house? I didn't move into a ministry house. I spent all of my time in a ministry house. I had a key to the ministry house. I did house chores. I went to house meetings. I, 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 several of them called me their roommate. I just never officially moved in. Wow. Uh, it was, uh, I could never afford to. 
and it really frustrated them it, it was just because it was a recession. I was having a really hard time finding a new job after I was laid off. Yeah. And I couldn't make that commitment. Right. Right. So, but, 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 but and this is why you're ongoing, going to, uh, to, to enroll at OSU at that time? Uh, no, I never enrolled in college. I have just okay. spent a lot of time there. <laughs> you just love, you just love being there, hanging around them. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like being around them all that time? Uh, I mean, obviously they're involved with a, with a heavily focused agenda and you were like kind of uh, almost dancing on the edge. Uh, what was that like to actually live with, uh, and, and, and try to interact with people who, who knew that you weren't like, you know, part of the vanguard officially, but, but they, they liked you. Be, they, they liked you. They, they apparently let you in the circle. What, what was that like? Um, it was, it was fine for a while and then it just, started getting frustrating, I think, for both ends. I was not I was not moving along with their agenda. Mm. Uh, you know, you've heard from everybody else. When you're in Xenos, your job is to aim for leadership. You, you're supposed to be taking leadership classes. Um, you're supposed to be moving on. You're, uh, you're supposed to be uh, discipling and um, you know, you should have your own home group at some point and, and you need to be growing, you need to be growing the church and you need to be going out and recruiting and getting more members in here and, and, and it, you know, all this, you know, multi-level marketing formula that they use. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, not, that's not my personality. I'm, I'm not a leader. I've never been a leader. I'm a, an excellent servant. But they don't want servants. They want leaders who can act as servants only to, you know, further an agenda. Yeah. Because everybody, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you say that because that's such a really, really just point blank great assessment of, of, of where, of where, where Xenos really does go terribly wrong in, in, in developing uh, in people, in, in, in advocating for people to develop within themselves this desire, for, this is ambition for power, this ambition for position, uh, and, and as opposed to taking the words of, of Christ literally when he talks about those who will be great among you, let them be your servant. You know, how, and, and that's what, you know, that's just, it was one of the things that really blows me away about, about how that level of, of, um, of commitment to the servanthood that, that that Christians should be living in just seems so completely, you know, just uh, overtaken by their own interpretation. It's, to them, servanthood is it, servanthood is is it's like a, a um, it's a means to an end. It's a it's a control. It's a way to for them to uh, to control your behavior and channel your energy in such a way where you will be. Um, You'll be doing things for people, but with an ulterior motive. You're doing X because you expect Y. Uh, that's yeah. what I keep hearing over and over again, and, and that's apparently what, what you encountered as well. Yeah, and you, you never do anything out of love. You do anything, you do everything as a transaction. Right, right. You, you don't help somebody just because you feel like it. You right. help somebody because you're expecting them to, in return, come to the church and, you know, be discipled and take a disciple and go to, you know, leadership training seminars and classes and, 
move on and grow the church. This is the only thing you do. It, it's it's never an act of love. It's an act of manipulation. Yeah. I like that word you use. It's a transaction. There's yeah. a receipt. There's a receipt for what you do. You know, and yeah, that's that's and, that's and, a really and, good and way to integrate it. And those receipts get pulled. <laughs> they, uh, because yeah. that is exactly what happened the day they kicked me out. Mm. Yeah. It, it, uh, it did not matter. Everything that I had done, you know, the holes I patched in the walls, the shelves I, you know, brought from my own home to put up so they had places to get things off the floor, the trash I took out, the dishes I washed, the meals I cooked, it didn't have, none of that had anything to do with when I got kicked out. I was told, you're stagnant, you're freeloading, you're not contributing anything. Look at all the things we've done for you. Look at, you know, I, in fact, beach trips. We helped you go to these beach trips, which, you know, are practically mandatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all we've done for you, and you do nothing in return, and you should already, you know, have your own sphere at this point, and you're stagnant, and, you know, you're bringing everybody's mood down, and you need to leave. Well, how long? When did they finally give you that? Scintillating assessment of your personality type. Uh, when, when, how long was it? Uh, how long were you still in the group at that point? Uh, that was actually my second group. My first one was dissolved, but I, that was I'd been in about five years, so I'd been in that group you know, probably two or three years. Mm. So probably closer, to, probably closer to three. So what happened to the first group? Why did it dissolve? Um. Well, the elders at the time referred to it as Corinth. <laughs> that says anything. Uh, <laughs> for, for, for the benefit of those who don't understand that that very weighty position, tell explain that to me. What is what was Corinth in Xenos at that point? We we were known as the Church's uh, den of sin and debauchery. Okay. The Church of Sin and Debauchery. Uh, the church wow. is in then. Yeah, we we were not well respected. Um, actually, in one of the uh, the annual reports they put out uh, at that time, see, that'd be around two thousand two thousand six, two thousand seven. There's actually a little mention in there. It's like we had to dissolve two churches due to poor planning. <laughs> poor planning. Hmm. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I was one of those churches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so not, no, so plant, planting, not not planting, planting. Oh, planting. Okay, all right. Sorry. So, uh, but the sin and debauchery. It's interesting. What does what does well, how does sin and what, what level of sin and debauchery were going on? There? I mean, what what really drove them up the wall? I feel like they they would label you as that, and we already know well, Xenos has its own unique vocabulary that, that regarding that. What was sin and debauchery in Xenos, and how was that opposing a, a church plant? Well, I mean, we did have several members who were, you know, of course, sexual sin, because that's the ultimate sin and unforgivable in Xenos. Okay. So we already had several members that, that, that come up on that. We had uh, several members that got together and left the church. Uh, I don't know if they were kicked out or just decided that they were going to leave. Um, okay. I understand two of them are married and still together today, so they're, they're a lot happier without Xenos. Yes, they are. I'm sure they will um, uh, a lot of drunkenness. Uh, I, I know our, my home church leader pulled me aside one day uh, with a friend that I brought. And he said, uh, you know, I know we had this party the other day and it got out of hand. And, you know, a lot of people were drunk. And 
you know, a fight started. And I just want to let you guys know that, that this isn't condoned. And that was just a lot of people that were brought out that, that got out of hand. It's not any of our members. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> there's a fist fight. Okay. Yeah, like, don't, don't think, don't think that this is okay. <laughs> like all of our, but most of the parties turned in and stuff like this, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay, basically, like you know, sacred by keggers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny. I mean, you should mention that because one of them actually involved a keg. So. I'm, I'm sure it did. I, I yeah. have no doubt in my mind. Young men and young women <laughs> together and drinking, of course, they're going to be a kegger. You know, it's, that's 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 part of human nature, and it yeah. understands. I've never even seen a keg before in my life, and somebody rolls in with one and says, like, "Hey, we got a keg." <laughs> It's like they were oh, always just like television props when I was growing yeah. up because you know yeah. I just don't drink. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. I never really did until I joined Xenos. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What you know in, in in that environment? You know, I'm and I, I'm I'm not here to criticize. Look, I'm just it's happened. It's history. You know, but it, it it does say a lot about the level of of uh, permissiveness and the level of uh, of uh, toleration uh, by Xenos leadership of of aspects of human behavior you probably wouldn't find in perhaps more shall we say sober uh christian gatherings yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) so how do they how do they get around that how do they get around the fact that you can just drink to your to your uh you know just knocked out and you're having fist fights and stuff like that and and of course from other people we spoke with with and some of these carousings you know their women get uh, get manhandled and get gets get uh you know abused and you know I mean how does that how does it how do they get to that? How do they explain that before it all spins out of control? How does Zena's leadership get away with or, or or explain the fact that you know that, that alcohol is just a, a normative part of, of the of the Christian life? Well, officially, you know, alcohol is to be consumed in moderation. There's nothing wrong with it, you know, as long as you have one. I know my first beach trip with uh, actually the group the group we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I remember home, one of the home church leaders there sitting us down. I was like, okay, listen, we've, we're at the beach. We're going to relax. We're going to drink. We do have some high schoolers coming with us. Just, guys, be careful. Like, if somebody has a beer, nobody cares. Just don't drink to excess. And, you know, if one of the high schoolers is drinking, don't make a big deal out of it. Just don't let them have more than one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all right. So the underage yeah. drinking part doesn't bother them too much either, does it? Uh, no, it's a, it's a form of outreach. It's outreach. So, uh, vaping wasn't really a thing when I was in, but apparently that's a big thing now. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd never smoked until, you know, I was in Xenos. Never even had a desire to until... I was there because everybody else was doing it. Mm, right. And it was just kind of pressured on you. I mean, it was, it was honestly considered weird if you did not smoke. And yeah. it was sometimes brought up. It's like, oh, you don't smoke? And, and people always offering you a cigarette or occasionally a cigar. I got started with cigars. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was considered a form of social cohesion. You know, you're yeah. meant to. That was part of your in. If you're, if you're, you know, dragging on, on a marble or something like that, you're, 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 you're together, you know, if you're shooting a shot, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And that's, and that's typical normative behavior in most social settings. But, uh, but apparently that, that is something that they felt was, was a, something very conducive, something, uh, compatible, 
with the Christian lifestyle, even though the Bible does give plenty of information on, on that uh, regarding what alcoholic drink really was in those days. But we won't go there. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that later. So, so, you, so, so all of these factors are what contributed to a destabilization or, or shame or, or an embarrassment that um, they had re- remedy by by dissolving your your home group, your home church, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you went to the second one, and I assume it was a little calmer there, was it? Well, the, the second one was one of the model groups. Uh, I, when the group dissolved, everybody was supposed to you know go to different groups, and I was supposed to be paired off with somebody that I didn't really know. And I was told, you know, you'll be going to another home church and you know, spending time with them, and that'll be kind of your transition period. But then they forgot about me. Mm-hmm. Like the whole whole home church just forgot about me, and it was like two months that I I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, and well, yeah, and then one day another member had contacted me on Facebook, and he says, "Hey, uh, are you in another home church?" I said, "No, I just kind of got left behind." He said, "Well, why don't you come to mine?" Mm. And invited me uh, to his home group, which um, I know I was talking to you yesterday that my home church leaders were there were James Rochford and. Uh, Mike Hardy, or sorry, no, uh, Chris Hardy and uh, Brian Rump, who are all elders now. Mm. And they're all, and they're all in the group you joined. Yeah, yeah, they were the home church leaders when at this group that I was invited to come join. Mm. Yeah, and, and they were all Dennis disciples. Dennis disciples again. That's always a fascinating thing to hear. Well, uh, and it, it, as, as we've discussed, you know, apparently there's a. There is a pretty powerful way that uh, the personality of Dennis seems to have found new life and new replication, as it, in using their term, uh, all around all around there in Zenos. And uh, what's what's a Dennis disciple? What, what makes them stand out from being a regular uh, a regular person, shall I say? In my opinion, Dennis disciples are the ones that will be leading the church. Okay. Because if you if you look at them, it, it's it's his disciple line that is always leading the church. They're all all the elders now, from what I know of them. I don't know all of them, but from what I can see, they're all his disciples. Nobody from Gary's Gary's side ever goes into leadership. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you know, top, top leadership. Nobody is in the governing body of the church, to use a Jehovah's Witness term. Right. Right. <laughs> good. Good analogy. That that's true. <laughs> There is a governing, there is, there's definitely a, a line of succession in any cultic movement worth its salt. And, um, the governing body, the whole Jehovah's Witnesses is equally to whatever the, the, the top council of elders are. It is, you know, same thing. Leadership, hierarchy's gotta start somewhere, don't they? And, uh, top-down leadership has to have a focus. And apparently, Dennis, has become and has always been apparently the dominant focus in in um almost said remnant <laughs> there in Xenos and um so you were among these guys and what was life like to live among people being groomed for top level leadership I mean you were they permitted you to still go there and come and go as you as almost as you please and just hang out with them that was still being allowed by them. Yeah, I mean, they, I was always under pressure to 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 move into a ministry house. I was always under pressure to take leadership training classes, mm-hmm. which is something that I actually, right before they kicked me out, I was seriously looking into. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just 
having a really hard time financially. Yeah. And then I'm, and then my family life was getting very rocky. Uh, my mm-hmm. parents were going through a divorce, which, you know, didn't really concern me much. I was already an adult. I wasn't <laughs> so con- so concerned with my, my parents' relationship. They, but everybody from like my, my parents' church were trying to make a big deal. They were all trying to drag me into it. And when my mom moved out, um, all of my dad's energy just came, it just went right to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just kind of like became his therapist and it, it was really stressful for me. Yeah. And so, uh, your, your, so your father sought out, you know, to talk to you <laughs> what's going on and clearing the hair in his own head. You know, that's heavy to deal with. You know, that really is. Yeah. When a parent's unloading on you things that they really should be, like you said, best served going to a, a, a counselor for. Yeah. And I mean, this was just a really tough time for me. And, I, and then I'm constantly under pressure. It's like, you're not committed enough. I, okay. Yeah. Let, let's go into that. Here's, here's the thing you're going to hear all the time. You're not enough. You're, you're never enough. You're not committed enough. You're not getting enough. You're not around enough. You're not social enough. You're not bringing enough people out. It, it all comes down to you are not enough. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, work, you know, yeah, your work is, is, uh, your work ethic is in question. And that yeah. work ethic is always going to serve one thing, and that's the end of the, of the group, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I know I sidetracked a little bit there, but that just popped in my head and seemed important. <laughs> well, it, but it, it, it is. It's all connected. I mean, I mean, you, you, you're trying to handle your own personal stuff, you know? Uh, in any in any place that I know of, you know, in any group, we could be among a bunch of atheists talking to them, who have nothing to do with with Christianity or God or religion or spiritual, and yet they'll they'll be in many instances much more tolerant of the fact that you want, you know, you, you're concerned about your family, you want to take care of them, and and they're gonna and they say, hey, we understand. I don't get why that's why that's so uh, why it's such a big issue for people. In high demand environments like Xenos that, that do not recognize that people have lives outside. But see, that's the whole point. They want your life inside. They don't want you yeah. encumbered with that. Yeah. Your life is Xenos. And, and, you know, it's a big problem that, that you're having problems because we're supposed to be your family. Yeah. Exactly. That's it right there. You hit it right ahead. We are the family. We're, we're the ones that should deserve the attention. Uh, let your parents yeah. go. You know, they're, they're of that world. They're of Satan's realm, you know. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and I think it's kind of hard for anybody to do when you, when you're told to turn your back on your loved ones and, and not try to help. Yeah. And anytime you try to come to, you know, your quote unquote family with a problem, you get the same answers. Mm-hmm. You're not praying enough. You're not trusting in God enough. Right. You're not enough. It's right. <laughs> Good. Hey, I'm glad that popped into your head there, Justin. <laughs> it's perfectly relevant. It all it's is. It's a recurring thing. It's yeah. a recurring thing that you get. And and when you get out, you realize, why do I have such low self-esteem? Well, it's because I've never been enough. And that and that works on people, doesn't it? That works yeah. a long time. And people take it different ways. Some people can't take it. And that's when... You know, horrible things like suicides or drug addiction or institutionalization happen. And that's yeah. where, the, where the real evil of this all is. But, but yeah. so they were, 
working on you with that same angle, uh, Rochford and Hardy and all the rest of them? Um, yeah, uh, Rochford Hardy, uh, I don't really have much to do with Brian. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Grant is another one. Yeah. Uh, Brandon was actually the one that pulled me aside and was the one that, that kicked me out. Mm-hmm. They didn't even do it in a whole group like most people do. Oh, he just summarily mm-hmm. just, just expelled you without, without pulling everybody together with pistol whip you, right? Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 that's again, it's, it's, it speaks to the level of authoritarian power these people collect themselves. So, I mean, you, you always hear about these sin circles, you know, where they, you, you go around and you just, uh, convict people of their sins and then kick them out excommunicate them, and, which is something that happens and something I've, you know, been a part of. I mean, anything I talk about in Xenos, I'm most likely took part in it at some point. Mm. A sin <laughs> I, 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 Yeah, yeah I, well, that's why I refer to it. I've never actually heard anybody else call it that. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah like they, they circle around you and they just convict you and point out everything that you've done, whether it's right. true or not, because they fabricate things. Right. And just tear you down and then make you leave. And right. they justify it by saying, well, we need to make sure they're rock bottom so that they'll come back to God. But nobody ever does. Yeah. And, and that's a common thing. In, and like I said, yeah. in places like that, there's an incredible amount of, yeah. of intrusion there. But I, I, thankfully, I was spared from that. I didn't even get that. I was just pulled aside privately and told, you need to leave. Yeah. The right. words were, were, you are, you know, you are not very happy. You are bringing everybody's mood down and you're not welcome here anymore. Yeah. There's a great book I read years and years ago, uh, about a man who's, who was raised in a, in a, an environment where his parents were serving a guru, a Western guru, not even an Indian one. And, uh, mm-hmm. his, his book really, really spoke to me when he wrote this. He says, to see deep, into the structure of one tyranny is to understand something basic about all forms of oppression. It is totalitarian. Like other authoritarian systems, it requires a suspension and suppression of critical questioning. It demands unquestioning submission to a rigid hierarchical structure. It centers on a cult of personality and it engenders personal intrusion and abuse. Uh, I think that's where uh, who, the, the gentleman wrote that. His name is Jeffrey Masson. Uh, the book's called My Father's Guru. Great book. It's a fantastic book. Uh, it just shows how, to what level that kind of control will, will seep and, and, and what's, what's controlled and what's, and what's uh, sought after when they're, and, uh, so you were there and you were constantly being, just being, I guess, uh, these pressures were applied to you. You're made to feel like pond scum if you didn't get with the plan. Yeah, and and like I told you told you before, you know, they were pushing me for leadership, and I'm I'm not a leader. It is not part of my personality. Right. So I I thought long and hard about it. It's like, how can I be a leader in this church that I because I can't do this? And I thought, oh, maybe missions. I'm really good at building things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm being called to the mission field. Okay. And because that way I can be a leader, you know, as a servant. Yeah. And yeah. 
And I tried uh, to get people to, to talk to me about it. But there at the end, those last couple of months that I was in there, people got really distant. Yeah. And I would go to people and say, listen, I, I feel like everybody's avoiding me. I would, I actually cornered a couple of people. It's like, everybody is avoiding me. I cannot get anybody to just spend 10 minutes with me and talk to me. And I, I kept saying, no, that's just in your head. And you're just not reaching out to other people. Mm. I was like, I am literally cornering you right now. trying to reach out. And then, <laughs> and then I was told, you know, you're just trying to get people to reach out to you and you're not reaching. You really need to be reaching out to other people. Yeah. Right. But right. It's like, I can't get anybody to spend any time with me. And, and this, it was really frustrating me, and the uh, and this and it all led up to. I, I just noticed everybody's personalities changed in regard to me. Um, I started getting a lot of disrespect from other members. I I remember one time, uh, Chris's wife saw me. I, I walked in. I hadn't been to home church in a couple of weeks. I walked in. She just looked and said, "What are you doing here?" Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. I, what are uh, you doing here? Yeah, what are you doing here? You're this um, second class thing. Like, a, it's like, wow, you're like an, yeah, almost like like a like a Hindu untouchable, you know? Um, they had a, a new girl coming out that um, you know somebody had uh, had invited. That I uh, there was a, a a pastor that I used to listen to his podcast, listen to his sermons, which was not church approved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, he had a four-part series called uh, Christianity for for Dummies. <laughs> that was just you know here here's what we believe here's, uh, you know you know here are the meanings behind you know the the, the rituals we do baptism and com- communion you know th- this is why we believe it this is why we believe you know uh, Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected uh, and. And I burnt these to a CD for her and gave them to her because I thought, you know, she's brand new with this. She came from an atheist background. She's, you know, LGBT. This might be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I handed them to her, uh, the the guy that invited her out, he just starts yelling at me. <laughs> and uh, I said, what? <laughs> he said, I don't want you giving her things. I said, they're, they're just sermons from... You know about you know beginning for for new Christians or just sermons to help new Christians, and he started yells to somebody else. He's like, "Hey, have you heard of this pastor?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's all right." And he's like, "Fine." And he turns around, and starts walking away. He's like, "What was that about? That was really disrespectful. Why did you say that to me?" And he just turns around and says, "Because she's my friend, and I don't want you leading her astray." Well, <laughs> mm, yep, uh, friend. I wonder how long that friendship lasted, really. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know. I mean, he was just very aggressive about it. Yeah. And, and it sounds like so, a dog fighting over a bone, really. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think about it all the time, and I just think, I don't know what was ever said about me, but I know what was said about my friends who were who were excommunicated, and in the the weeks and months leading up to it. Yeah. So I know that things were fabricated about me to turn the group against me. Yeah. So that they could easily kick me out. Oh yeah. I, I don't I yeah. don't I don't doubt that that's entirely what would happen because you know suddenly when the luster's off, uh suddenly you're just you're just a piece of gravel to be ground underfoot. So uh, and and this is all this is the influence that you are getting. This is the modeling you're getting from the creme de la creme of Xenos. 
Dennis's disciples. How are they? How are these? These are all the, the men in that in that in that home church, right? Uh, yeah, this was all in that, that last. Yeah, this, this was the group was called Armada when I was in it, uh, and yeah, this was that home church. This was the one that you know I I, I sent you. We won't talk about it, but I'll, I sent you the time that I spent with Dennis and and two of his disciples at the beach. Okay, um, this was that group. That very group, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and then so these guys would even let you tag along with you to the beach and uh, hang out with them. And and you, you mentioned you know you finally saw Dennis there and had a chance to meet him there. What was that like? Um, yeah, I did. Like I said, I'm, I don't really. You don't want to get into that part of it. That's fine, but uh, I, yeah, I guess I, I guess like, like I I was never impressed with Dennis, but I I was impressed that I was being invited to come hang out with him. Yeah, right. But it's just not it's it's not what I would say a mixed company approved message <laughs> to put out there. Right. It, it was pretty. It was pretty harsh. Right. Well, the one part of the conversation is not what I'm, what I'm referring to is, is when you met him, he started talking on and on about how, uh, he, when he was sharing with you privately about how the church was going to grow and how he was basically taught, making a very mechanical pitch to just how he felt that the, that the movement was going to grow. How it was going to be organically, uh, multiplying. And uh, I, I guess in, in, in the discussion there, he just, just really, Gave no thought to anything else except human dynamics. That that what what they do, what they say, how they live, who they are, uh, how their how their their how their leadership lines up is basically going to be the, the the criterion or the chief means by which they're going to make people grow. Yeah, yeah. The, the ironically named organic organic Christianity, where nothing's organic; it's all formulaic. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's the one thing I, I catch every time is just how incredibly uh uh stilted it all is. It's it's all it's all there's always some level of um fine micromanagement, some some honed interpersonal uh uh agenda that they're able to to to, to hatch up and, and use as a means of uh planning how they're they're gonna manipulate people basically. And 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 it's even though they, they couch it in Christian terms, like discipleship and mentoring and modeling and an outreach, they may use all those terms and but but really it's it's just them forming people it's programming. Yeah, they're programming yeah, it's, people. It's just programming. Yeah. And and that's what Dennis seems to be really all about. Not it's it's not a, it, he uses the Christian the Christian ease and the verbiage to make it sound all biblical, make it sound all religious, and yet it's really just human. It's just corporate human dynamics. You can you could go to IBM or or Whirlpool or any place a thousand other places and do the same thing and use the same the same stuff and and, and yes. get a following. And that's what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I was never impressed with him as a person. I, I he's not a person I would like to hang around, even yeah. back then. And I never, I never mentioned it. It was always just in the back of my mind. Why do people just seem to worship this guy? Why do they? I mean, what do you think? What, what, I, what, what, I, I, I don't know. I have no clue. It's yeah. a question that I, that I ask myself all the time. Is because he's there's nothing remarkable about him. Mm-hmm. If anything, he's, he's he's kind of an a hole. 
<laughs> yeah. I understand, yeah. He, he he seems to be a pretty difficult guy to really pin down by way of uh uh doing anything outside of his own little his own little thing. And what amazes me is how many people he's impressed, how many people he's able to how much attention he's able to muster outside of Xenos with his summer institutes and with the missions work they do. How many people they that get that I guess really gets get drawn in without ever really knowing who he is. Uh, probably because his one talent is winning arguments. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that that that's the only thing I can think is he he knows how to win arguments. He yeah. knows how to trap you so that you get flustered and can't come up with a defense. Mm. Wow. And that's that's something uh, I know we mentioned it yesterday. Uh, when we were talking, but that's something you will notice over and over again when you try to talk to them is they have a strategy. And as soon as you tip them off that strategy, they don't have a defense ready for it because they've never figured out how to defend against their own doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they they are always on the offensive, and once they get punched, they have no idea what to do next. <laughs> yeah. So they just stop talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But they're good at marketing themselves as long as you accept what they're marketing, right? Yes. That's, that's about it. So, and that was something, that was a reality you saw there, how, how they just kept putting forth the same pitch, the same formula. Yeah, but, yeah the same pitch. The, 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 you'd go to, to teachings, uh, either home church or, or central teachings, and you would hear the same things over and over again, almost, almost on a monthly schedule. Uh, my favorites or anything talking about prophecy is um, that if you if you're up close to a mountain, all you see is a mountain. But if you back away from it, you'll see an entire mountain range. Right, right. Which is ironic because they can't see their own sins because they're right up close to them. They can't right. see the damage they do <laughs> to the community because you know look how great we are in their own their own little echo chamber. Right. Right. Uh, the other one is God doesn't want a bunch of mindless drones, but you look at them and they all act exactly the same way. And in fact, most of the teachers, you know, speak the same way. They have the same voice inflections. Mm. Right. Like, like they're trying to put a trance on you or something. <laughs> it's, well, it's modeling, the, to the, it's modeling to the nth degree. They they, yeah. they closely follow the pattern, and that's who they're gonna they're, they're gonna go after. And uh, yeah. It's like, and, and then uh, another one is uh, they always say, you know, uh, leading people to God is like uh, a beggar uh, telling other beggars where to find food. Right. And this is one that I've always had a problem with. It's because you, you do so much damage to people. Right. Uh, it, it's, you know, you can go pick a beggar up off the street. And you can bathe them and you can clothe them. You can, you know, put food in his belly and money in his pocket and, and then you give him a swift kick to the nuts. And, and which of these things is he going to remember? Right. Right. <laughs> is he going to go out and say, Hey, look, they, they fed and bathed and paid me. You guys need to get in on this. Or are they going to go say, Hey, dude, don't go over there. They'll, they'll bait you and trap you and then they'll, they'll beat on you. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, they're going to love bomb you, right? They're going to make you yeah. hear, make him feel like he's most, most, the greatest thing since Swiss cheese, you know, and, 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 uh, until, until, again, as I said, the luster's off and then, uh, they cut you loose 
And, you, yeah. and then as, as many people have said here in our podcast, at that point, the love, when the love bombing stops, then you, you're just, you're just meant to just kind of float along. And, yeah, the shine, and, shine wears off and you're, you're just a piece of tarnished furniture. Right. You're, 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 you are, you've now, you're no longer a project. You know, it's done. It's finished. So. And, no, on the next one. Uh, yeah. Right. And I think that's the reason why, you know, when, when, when we co- encountered, um, um, Conrad and, and Kate in our discussions there, uh, they couldn't answer anything we said. They really couldn't engage with us because I think at that point, you know, I think they, they were exhibiting that, that, that incredible indoctrination that I believe they've been under, uh, by way of, of just listening and deflecting and picking and rolling and trying to get away from, from the clear impact of what, of what our questions were. And then it would never respond. It never answered our questions, you know. Uh, they, they, don't have, they didn't have a defense for it. They couldn't control the narrative. Yeah. It, it, it has never been in their mind that they've been wrong. Right. It's never, never been a thought. And if you've never been wrong, why would you ever come up with a defense? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. As, as, and, and, and like I said, they did, they didn't know what to do. And there were like, no. you, I think you mentioned that there were moments and like I said, they, they did, they just appeared like, like clueless. Yeah. And then what did I tell you? They, they do because you'll, you'll get it over and over again. They'll just stop talking. And then yeah. they'll all suddenly become too busy to talk to you. Yeah, right. And then, you know, like I said, the interviews that come out, uh, you know, the media will, you know, as journalists are supposed to do, they always try to get both sides. And they'll go to Xenos and they'll send somebody, you know, I mentioned, you know, they'll say, well, here's one of our pastors. But in Xenos, pastor is a very low rank. So you're not going to talk to anybody who has any actual authority in the church. Right. Because right. they don't want to look stupid when they don't have a defense for something. Right, right. <laughs> like like Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Precisely. And and then they they don't know what to do. And I think that's, yeah. that's the reason why they're spinning their wheels in light of all that's been going on. I mean, I'm just so thankful that we've had a small part to play in in helping you know start really make the case for people outside of. Uh, Xenos, people being drawn to them that, that they, you need to, you need, you need to rethink your, <laughs> rethink your association. I'm thankful yeah. for, you know, the, the, the YouTube groups, the guys doing the videos, um, for the, for the websites that come up, the, the sign that come out and, and the fact that, you know, we're, 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 we're able to get a, um, to encourage NBC to, uh, to do that documentary series. And we haven't even got the documentary released yet. <laughs> that we were there for. That's still coming. So, um, just, just, just I'm hoping all of our viewers out there will be patient. It is coming. It is, it is incredible. Uh, but, uh, to, to, to continue a little bit though, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, like James Bond Rushford always puts out the rebuttals to anything. They won't, they won't talk to the media until after a story is released and then they will come out with a rebuttal to it. Right. Because they have to have time to formulate and find verses that they can manipulate and to, to run their narrative. Right. And, and direct it. Right. But, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, if you've gone back to the Daily Beast article, after he wrote his rebuttal to it, uh, the, the reporter there, Emily, actually took sections out of his rebuttal and put them in to the, uh, to the article and, and made a little footnote and said, these came, you know, these comments came afterward, but she couldn't get a direct line with anybody for an interview, so she just took them and put them in as they were. Yeah. 
That's all you can do. And so she had, she had to go back and edit the article to actually get words from a leader in Xenos to put in the article. Mm. <laughs> it just That just says something. If you can't stand face-to-face with those who you are hearing some pretty incri- some pretty incriminating things about about what you do and you can't sit and engage in dialogue that's substantial it says everything about it and that's why when, when we did when we, when we interviewed Kate and when we interviewed Conrad uh we we had no illusions <laughs> we didn't think they're going to lay there and on the ground and start sobbing in repentance we just wanted their statements we just wanted to hear what 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 their comments would be on on being presented with plain facts and of course Everyone knows what's going on since then. They they just deny everything, you know, uh, and uh, absolutely uh, want to let us know how horrified that they could hear such things, and that they have position papers <laughs> and training yeah. uh, that they're, they're there to prevent all that from happening. And uh, yeah, and and they want to go on. We're always under satanic attack, and and I, I guess to an extent they're right because I mean, Satan just means adversary. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, they create their own adversaries. They create their own enemies from their own disciples. Right, right, <laughs> and, and they do. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and then they can always they always have a stream of enemies. They can they can manufacture their own enemies and then point and say, "Look, everyone's against us, so we're in the right. We're following right. God's will." Yeah, right. And there's there's something I actually wanted to touch on. I I never mentioned it to you. I I meant to send you. I've been working on an essay and. Great. Um, just uh, observations from when I was in. Great. Uh, from kind of a Christian point of view. And, okay. and things I, I saw is when I was in there, you know, the first commandment, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. Right. And, but while I was in there, I, I we always said God. We always mentioned God. But we never worshipped him. Mm-hmm. We worshipped Xenos. The ideal, the and, system. Yeah, everything was around Xenos. Right. You know, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And I think when I was in there, I rarely ever called myself a Christian. We we, we did occasionally if you know it, it it fit the topic at the time, but the name I took was Xenos. It was Xenoid. That was the name I was proud of. That was the name I went by. It was Xenoid. I took a different God's name. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you mention that that, time, that term because that seems to be a very common term, but it's one that's kind of used among Xenos members. You don't hear it mentioned outside by any badge of pride because uh, that because then that really does make it make them sound kind of really bizarre. Yeah. But, I mean, that's xenoid. I, 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 yeah, I'm xenoid. Xenoid, or I guess now they call themselves Dwellians or something. I don't want to, want to hurt. You're, you're literally just taking the name of a church. Yeah, you know, you're, you're idolizing a building, and yeah. and, and a, a set of rules on paper, which can sometimes go many, many pages. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there's, well, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a lot to say there. We don't have time for that, but the, but it, yeah. I, I have said off and on, you know, there is, there's definitely an idolatry going on there because they have turned, as you said, you well point out the ideal of Xenos, the, the, um, the belief 
that uh, their com- that their co- their community full of covenants, everybody agreeing to live together, is, is really the express uh, image of of of, of God's uh, glory in the earth. They really truly believe that, and 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 they they and they encourage people to embrace that ideal so much that they would submit themselves to to call themselves xenoids or dwellings. And, 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 and really, be, and, and in the course of what they do, they're doing only one thing. They're pushing the agenda of, of control, of, of multiplying, of making the church bigger, of, of bringing people in and, and getting people uh, under submission to a, to a, uh, an indoctrination program, which makes them into robots. Really, it, it, that's, if that is what God is, and that is what, is what they perceive it to be, uh, that's what guys, and that, that truly is idolatry. That, that yeah. is truly what it is. And you, you hit it right on the head. And very right. well. And I'm saying, and I'm saying this is, this is stuff I did. Like, like this isn't me talking about another group. This is all stuff that I'm guilty of. Yeah. And I want to make sure that's clear. You know, um, again, another commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, but that is a, a core tenet. Yeah. Everything is fabricated. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll say we don't teach that, but they don't practice what they teach, and they don't teach what they practice. Right. I mean, you can you can say we don't teach that all you want, but and and they don't. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but life in a house, life in Xenos, is not what they're they're putting out there to the public. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. The great the the greatest commandment, you know, love God and love people. And I didn't love people. I hated people. Mm. I I hated people because I I was told I needed to hate people. Mm. I mean, maybe not with those words, but that was, that was the actions we created. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and you know, our leaders would you know just refer to people by obscenities, and you know, yeah. again, the, the thing with Dennis that I don't really want to talk about. But I mean, this was what I these were the examples I was given. So this was how I followed it. Yeah. Because anytime you felt uncomfortable about it and you brought it up, they would have some, oh, no, it's okay. We can do it because we're doing it, you know, for the glory of, of, of God's kingdom. But it's not okay. It's not okay to hate people. Right. And it's, it, clearly it's says, it clearly says you can't hate people. You cannot, you know, worship God and hate people. Right. <laughs> that is clearly what Jesus said there. Right. He did. That's exactly what you said. You know, I mean, and if you, if you won't listen to him, maybe, maybe you'll listen to, you know, the, the, the words of, of, of the apostle John that, 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 that laid on his breast. He says, we know we've passed from death to life. It's, that's found in first John, uh, three and, uh, 14. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I mean, the place like Xenos just seems to arouse so much primal, carnal, sensual, ungodly passion within people, and chief among those hatred, chief among those contempt. Chief among those, the willingness to, to, to dominate and crush and wound and injure and pull down. Frankly, according to what I just read from what the apostle says, all those people who indulge in that really have lost sight 
of what it is to be a Christian. And I clearly, I murderers in whom no eternal life is abide. They're people that, that are going to need a new vision of Christ and a new commitment to Him before they can call themselves Christians, before they can say that they live eternally. They don't. That's what Zenos is perpetuating. And that's why we speak out what we do. We have to. We have to keep saying people, look, this is not a Christian church. I get so much email from people. Uh, uh, from people who are members right now from uh, Remnant, uh, Remnant. <laughs> it's just so ingrained in me. I can't get out of it. You, 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 you talk about one call, you talk about them all. It, yeah, it exactly. Matter. Exactly. Put a name on it and just call it by that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess so many letters from people who are just protesting of how we need to, we need to, we need to stop these sweeping accusations about how Xenos is a cult. Although you have to remember that the Corinthian church was flawed, but this church was flawed. That was true. Listen, they were all had they all had their problems. So we have to we have to not uh, understand that God loved them anyway. Yeah, He did. He, yeah, He did do that. But but in Book of Revelation, you know, Jesus came to the apostles. Uh, he see he he through the apostle John he sent a letter to the to the elders uh, of the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter two and he said listen you've done all these great things you 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 you've held fast to my life to my to my name my word my gospel you've loved people you've uh you've detected who the false apostles were you found them lies and yet I have I have ought against you and what is that ought what is that thing he said that Christ had against the, against them? Was the, the very fact that they had lost their first love, that they had stopped loving the way he wanted to, and that was so serious to Jesus. He said, "If you don't change, I'm going to come and snatch your candlestick out. I'm going to snuff you out." Now that's pretty big stuff. That's what it comes down to when it comes to cults. Uh, that's yeah. why we we have to say what we have to say. And yeah, so, and, and and you know, if he's the one, you know, snuffing you out, then you're saying you're constantly being attacked by Satan and demonic attacks. You read it all on Satan. Yeah, <laughs> not his fault. Yeah, there's something you can do about it. Yeah, Jesus says repent. He says turn around. He says change your mind, change your direction. He says move towards a new life by changing your mind. And, and, and if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But uh, unless you repent, uh, he will remove uh, your lampstand. He will take you out in judgment. And that's that's not me. That's not Raphael. That's not you, Justin. That's not you and me. That's what Jesus Christ himself has said. And, and, and then I, you, you talk about your fan mail. And, no, I mean, I've, I've read you know, one or two you put out there. But the thing is, I don't need to. I don't need to read any of them because – you can ask any former member, and we could probably take any one of them and, without looking at it, quote it verbatim. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> what what I like to do the same, the same arguments over and over again. It's like, why, yeah. why do you focus on a few bad apples? You know, look at all the good we've done. Well, one, I believe the idiom is, you know, one bad apple ruins the bunch, and you've got hundreds or thousands of bad apples, and you're so you don't pay any attention to yeah. them. Yes, sir. That's it. And too, look at all the good we've done. You know, look at all the good we've done for God, and, and, and nobody cares. God doesn't even care about your good works. They're like yeah. rags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, like, like nobody remembers your your good works. They only remember the bad things you've done. They only remember the evil. Right. And if you're defending the evil, you're guilty of it. Right. <laughs> right. And that's. 
pretty serious. When you're talking about this, this isn't like we're talking about Tiddlywinks or um, or American Gladiator. We're not talking about uh, fan, you know, uh, you know, fantasy football. This is talking about the reality of life. This is talking about ultimate destinies. This is talking about something you're going to hang your life on. And if you're making a basic mistake like that. How much more your life is going to go? I don't care how successful you get. I don't care how many accolades you get. And Dennis, I hope you're listening. I don't care how many people think you are the greatest thing since the Apostle Paul. You know, you have clearly lost your first love and your lampstand is about to get snatched. It's about to be snuffed. It's time for you to turn around because I have no, I have no illusions that, uh, you know, you're going to be calling me up tomorrow about that. Uh, but maybe you will. Uh, the emails are open and we're ready to talk. But you know, like I said, uh, people need to be aware that this is serious stuff. If Jesus is, is that serious about it, and he tells people, you know, look, look I, I, when, he, when people approach him in the judgment, that he's going to toss them to hell, and they approach him with the same thing you talked about, all the great things we've done, all the summer institutes, all the house churches, all the outreaches, all the beach parties. Jesus, I did all that for you. We, we organized that for you. He's going to say, look, get away from me. I don't even know you. I mean, depart and burn forever. I mean, that's what he has said, said he will say. That's serious stuff. I mean, yes, yeah. and, 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 and I want to make it clear again, you know, I'm not innocent of any of this. I'm not innocent now. And so when I say that people only remember the, the evil you've done, they only remember the bad things, I, anybody listening to this the podcast, I, I don't expect you know, nobody to say, well, I know that guy and he's a, he's a piece of shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I know and, and, you know, just the things that were, whether or not they were founded, and there were things taken out of context that I've said that I won't deny. I've said just in the Facebook group that caused some controversy and I'm really sorry about it but I don't even have the chance to apologize Yeah. but the people I hurt I, I would fully expect them to point at me and say look at him up there on his high horse preaching about this one this is what he said about about us right but the and difference is Justin nobody, nobody's, nobody's going to care that I'm you know trying to help people they're going to care that I hurt them right <laughs> and hurt people are always going to have that chip on their shoulder. And it's not just a chip. Uh, that's probably a poor word to use. People are always going to have that memory. But the, but the point is, Justin, I think what you're trying to do, <clears throat> what, what you've been trying to do in your own way, and I think your essay is going to bring out the fact, you know, look, look, you realized you did wrong. You understood. And you, and you know what? You did repent. You did change your mind. You did change the direction. You re, you re, re focus upon what was important. And if part of a part of doing that is 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 to declare your deeds, and and share from your heart how you feel about them, that's the reason why. Like I appreciate you coming on the podcast to share about that because we definitely want to provide you the opportunity to do that. So, so in closing out, um, what do I just let's just let's kind of see where you're at now. So you you got excommunicated. What was that? What what was that point? When that, when the moment came in which you were excommunicated, how did that actually occur? Uh, just how I said, I was led into a room. Uh, Brandon Grant led me into a room. And, you know, over the course of 30 or 45 minutes, just put all this out, just, you know, and, and told me you're not welcome here anymore. 
Yeah. You're a toad and you're basically a slacker and you're, and you, and you left. Yeah. 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 And that, that was the end of it. And I, and I didn't hear any, anything from anybody for years mm. until, uh, actually, I, I got a job in Kentucky as a radio technician. So another time that I moved back home, because uh, <laughs> it was right across the river from where I grew up. And I was working as a, as a, as a land mobile radio technician there for 911 centers and, and, and first responders. And one day I got a, a Facebook message from Brandon saying, Hey, uh, you know, I haven't heard from you in a while, but uh, I heard that you know about radios and wondering if you uh, knew anything about setting up a, a low power radio station, if you could help us out. And I, and I was just so upset by it. It's like, you, you kicked me out. I've not heard anything from anybody for years. And the one time you want to contact me is when you want something from me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and moreover, you want me to help you develop a propaganda station. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was wow. just really upset about that. So I blocked him. Yeah. And I've not, you know, spoken to him since or heard from him since. And I've, I've heard from other members. I've, James Rochford, every time a new article comes out, he sends me a message. Because, you know, whether or not I'm responsible for it, somebody from the church is going to contact me. <laughs> Wait, some people just contacting you and asking if you if you're if you're somehow behind anything critical that comes out with them in print. Yeah, like the WOSU article. I'm I'm not quoted in it. I I even missed my interview for it. The only thing about it is I was the point of contact. Yeah. Anything about that article was other people. I was just the point of contact that that led them to other people. And I posted. Uh, the article when it came out uh, posted a link on my Facebook that said, you know, here, here's an article I, you know, had the pleasure of, you know, getting the ball rolling on or whatever I said at the time. And I get a, a, a direct message from James Rochford saying, hey, I saw you posted the, uh, the name change article and, you know, I saw that you said something about being heard in it and I just, you know, wanted to reach out and, and, and you know, I, I hope that, that if there's anything we can do, you can contact us and and uh, for 11 years, you've not been concerned about me, and now all of a sudden you're under criticism and you want to reach out to me? Yeah. You want to check how I'm doing now, 11 years later? Yeah. That's just, yeah. And and, and I didn't respond to it. Yeah. I understand. Um, and then when the NBC articles came out, somebody else uh, had contacted me wanting me to tell my story, and, I'm, and it was somebody I was close with. And I, I just said, well, you know, my story is up on the, the Xenos as a cult website. And he responded with, well, then I guess it's a fat chance I've read it since it's all anonymous. And I thought, oh, he just used a, a, a loaded term. Mm. He just used a loaded term right there. And I, I got really suspicious. So I started asking some, some of my, my friends, should I do this? Cause if he, if he really wants out, I feel like I'm obligated to help him, but this feels like a trap. And everybody's like, it, it, it sounds like a trap. You need to be careful. Right. And, uh, and then when the Daily Beast article came out, uh, it was, when did it come out? On the 20th of May. So like three days before my birthday. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, then article, then James's rebuttal came out like a day, day and a half later. So, and I'm reading his rebuttal. I was like, he sees my name here. He clearly sees my name here. <laughs> and then I get, and, 
It's like he, he, he knows that, that, that I have something to do with this one. So then my birthday comes around. He gets the alert on Facebook that, you know, it's my birthday. So he sends me a happy birthday message. <laughs> and it's like, and, and I'm thinking, I'm trained in Xenos passive aggressiveness. I know that this is not a happy birthday. This is a, I have my eye on you message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, and then that's something I wanted to say about about these guys, uh, about the elders. These guys are very charming men until they're not. Mm-hmm. If they're in the public or you're on their good side, they are very charming. And when your back's turned, they will be spewing some vile poison. Mm-hmm. This has been about you. Yeah, yeah. And nothing is ever said without an ulterior motive. Like, it... it Passive aggressiveness is a Xenos art. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's just this. It's just this arrogant self-regard. You know that that you know that that. How dare you? You know, ever say anything bad about me? I mean, I just. What, what kind of Christian can you possibly be? Uh, you're not one. You're just this. Uh, this pipsqueak. You know. You're. It, you're right. It's this it's very, very high level, very, very subtle kind of uh, thing. Anybody can pick, can pick up on that. You you can see it there. I saw it when I was speaking with Conrad and I was speaking and with Kate. I could see it. And I didn't care at this point. They had nothing on me and I wanted them to go on record. They, and they, they did. They made a beautiful record, which they pushed out there. And um, yeah. it shows just how really, really connected they are with, with what's going on around about them. How manipulative they can get. So, mm-hmm. so how so so how have you been since? How what's what's how how you how's things for you today? Oh uh, well, I mean, I've got a job, I've got a mortgage, I've got a car that runs for now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've been really learning a lot about myself. Okay. Um, and as you can see, I've, I've done a lot of cult research, and I've, I've spend a lot of my time when I'm not re-traumatizing myself, trying to help other people learn about it. Good. It's good. And I'm trying to bring awareness to the community, because I still find people, every once in a while, I was like, I never heard of this place. And then sometimes I'll, I'll meet somebody who's like, wait, you were part of Xenos? Talking to somebody on... on I think it was TikTok. I was in TikTok comment and said something about Xenos. And somebody from on the other side of the country said, well, I've heard of Xenos. You were part of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, apparently the word's getting out there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's meant to, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. what a testimony is. A testimony is, dec- is a declaration of, of a personal experience. You're declaring, and I'm glad that we can uh, help you have an opportunity to share some of that. I, 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 and so we, uh, I was going to ask you, did, were you in, in terms of getting beyond everything that happened to you, I mean, obviously they made you feel like absolute trash and it, it browbeat you and uh, cultically mind controlled you with all their, all their uh, rhetoric. Uh, were you able to actually get any uh, professional help or counseling after that? Did it, did, did, were you able to pursue that? Or are you just kind of, kind of, kind I've, of I've, I've, I've never had professional help. Okay. Um, this has all just been my own research and my own reflection. Right. Uh, right. I, I will say that the very hardest part was right after I realized I was in a cult was the next couple of months just trying to get myself to admit that I was in a cult. Yeah. Right. And and realizing that 
I'm not scared of saying that I was in a cult. I'm scared of admitting that I was duped and that I was a victim. Yeah. And then realizing that there's no shame in being a victim. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I, you know, I, I tell people is, listen, you know, you, you went into people say things like, I, I just can't believe I was there. I was so stupid. I, I feel so, so wrong. And I just affirm people. I says, listen, you did, you went to this place trusting them to be what they claim to be. Godly, caring, loving, sincere, authentic Christian people who want, who had a concern for you. They were anything but. They were false apostles. They were false prophets. They were false teachers, as the scripture says. It's, and I know, and I, now I'm, I'm just going to read this, and then we're, we'll, we'll close up here with with, with your own yeah, final words. But, 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 but before you do, I want to I want to say one more thing. Go for um, it. Go for it. Yeah. Because what, when I'm when I'm talking about you know the members of Xenos and and I'm talking about the leadership, I, I want to know that I was a victim, but that's how how I view all of them. I, I know I've dropped James Rochford's name many times, but I see him as a victim. Right. And he is just completely unaware of it, where right. other people might might see him as other things. I actually see Dennis as a victim of his own creation and a victim of, of you know, if you, you want to believe in it, of demonic attack and manipulation. Right. I know he's the ringleader of it, and and I know that that Gary Deleshman has he's been his you know enabler mm-hmm. but these guys you know the founders of the church i see them as victims of xenos mm-hmm. right and i just i just want that known every one of them I, that's how i view them yeah is they're victims that need to be saved they're victims that need support if they ever come to the realization of what they've done right right and and that's and that's very true uh Justin, that really is because even though, yeah, I, I, I do view them in biblical terms as false teachers, false prophets, even false teachers and false prophets and false brethren, they had to start somewhere. There, there was a point at which they diverged from what, what really should have been a foundation. They went and developed their own. You know, the, the, the picture given you know, by the apostle Paul in, in, in these verses and other verses, or is that, you know, a person's conscience can be completely desensitized or destroyed. I mean, there's, uh, referring to the verse in the Bible here where, where it speaks of, of how in the fall, in the last days, there will be those who speak lies in hypocrisy, who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, their ability to understand right and wrong is so totally burnt out it's so totally uh uh shut down within them that they can't tell the difference between right and wrong now if i may use that word uh can't tell the difference well they 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 actually are giving it's like it's like a a choice for them it's an option for them whether they want to do right or do wrong and 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 for me when they go to that extent their conscience truly is gone they, they 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 no longer really operate in the way that they they recognize that there are rights and wrongs and that they are not perfect and that they are subject to the same weaknesses we all are, and that's what makes them uh that that the most all the more dangerous. You know they can look the part and speak the part and say the part and yet never never ever really connect with the essence 
of what it is to walk in truth and love and, and, and patience and toleration. And that, that's how I see you. If they are victims, that's how I see them. I, I do agree. They they are victims of their own delusion. But as the yeah. delusion goes by, you know, as I said, Peter, Second Peter 2 says this. He says, many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. And for a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction doesn't stumble. And I like what the King James Version says. It says, by covetousness, they will make merchandise of you. And that's exactly what they are doing. And that's exactly what we are calling people's attention to realize. Re- please, if you're in Xenos, reconsider where you are. You need to, to rethink what you've been shared with because it's not biblical truth. As much as they make, not many scriptures they teach. If you are not being loved and you're not being cared for and you see people not being loved and not being cared for, then you got a major problem. You, and, and you cannot say from this point on that you didn't know because we are making it known. And, uh, and Justin, I want to give you the last, last few minutes of our, of our podcast here. Uh, what would you like to say? What, what are some of the last thoughts you'd like us to, to hear? Uh, regarding uh, your experience and your time there, is there, maybe there's a message you'd like to send to somebody there, or, 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 or talk to. I mean, I'm just gonna let you have the floor and go ahead and share as, as you feel that. Yeah, um, just just to continue on on that, um, Xenos dwell members, you, know, you view us, you know, the ex members, you know, you're told that, that you know we're just but her, and that we've been excommunicated, or, or we've—I don't even know how to phrase it—but you're told that, that we are just trying to get back at the church, but but nobody know ever thinks about what the problem with that is. It's like, why are we so hurt that we have to attack you? And you're told that we're your enemies, but we're only your enemies because you're taught that. We're not. We will be your enemies until you realize that we're really trying to help you. And and we don't want you to be victims anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, uh, I really want to say something to, to James since I picked on him this whole thing and, and, and Chris. James, like I said, people only remember you for the bad things you've done. Sure, at your funeral, nobody's going to speak ill of the dead. But in people's minds, they only remember you for your evil. And I never thank you for sending me a birthday message, even though I'm pretty sure it was passive aggressive. I never thank you for it because the last time that we should, you shared in my birthday was just a couple of months after I got kicked out. When I was with my depressed father, when he took me to a diner, just to buy me breakfast for my birthday. And I'm depressed because I just, you know, got kicked out of the place that I've invested my last five years in. And, you know, having to deal with my parents' divorce and nobody leaving me alone about that. And in walk you and Chris Hardy, and you both looked me right in the eye and averted your gaze and refused to even give me a courtesy nod. And that is the, the birthday that I remember. And I know you have no memory of it. But that's how I remember you. Despite all the laughs we had and all the times we spent together, that's how I remember you. <laughs> that's all I have to say. That's certainly a, a, 
points of departure that we want to leave uh, for those who, who share with us. Because, uh, as I said, it's a testimony. It's a declaration of what, of what, uh, what was real. I mean, and, and uh, I've been around this long enough to know when I hear of dozens of different people telling basically the same story from different parts of the world, different parts of the world. To me, that's that different, different walks of life. That speaks one thing. And he says, these testimonies are worthy to be listened to and respected. And that's why we, we, we do these podcasts. And I appreciate Justin. You know, that's, that's a very raw thing to leave on, but uh, it's your truth. It's where you were. It is the truth. It's not just this random thing. Uh, it's what you lived. It's what you share for. And, and like I said, you're, you're, you're moving beyond. I'm, I'm grateful that you're where you are. And everyone, thank you for sharing with us today because that uh, is truly what we, we want to give people time to give a voice for here on, on the podcast. So thank you once again for, for coming on and we look forward to maybe being in touch again soon in the, in the future. All right. Thank you, Rafael. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.